unnecessarily hostile back up in your x-ray specs and i was just watching an interview with polystyrene the singer for the 70s punk band x-ray specs and the interviewer asked her so where were well he's british i'm gonna do a british accent and i'm gonna do it poorly to start off with that's i like to start the show with a bomb let's do bad british accents the, the interviewer was like where were you when you wrote Oh bondage, uh, oh bondage up yours. Is that's the name of the song? Oh. Yeah, oh bondage up yours. <laughs> and he's a music journalist, so this dude is expecting some kind of like esoteric, big answer, some kind of thing with thoughts and meaning, and you know all sorts of subtext and qualities and things. And Polly just looks at the interviewer, and just smiles, and she says, "Where was I when I when I wrote that song? I was just I was just walking down the road." I was just walking down the road. <laughs> she has this big brace face smile. <laughs> it's adorable. It's, that's where she was when she wrote the song. She was walking down the road. And that's funny to me. That's funny. It might not be funny to you if you're not a songwriter. Like, I get it. Different jokes for different folks. But but, but that's the songs are written. People don't know that. But that's... <laughs> I'm just walking down the road as I wrote a fucking song. I mean, I can attest to that. I wrote my, really my first song, Driving a Car. Uh, caveat, not my first song song. I, I got into songwriting about 19, 20 years old. I wrote some really, really cringy stuff. Uh, really pity me. I'm sad, I'm a brown-out drunk kind of stuff. I even played these songs to, like, campfire parties when I was brown-out drunk, and I don't have any recollection of them. Years later, people would re recall them for me. Like, hey, remember that time you went to John's house and you played music? And I'm like, I have no recollection of John's house. I, no. So, that point in my life was, well, it was, ah, uh, I quit I quit songwriting, I trying to, attempting to, uh, probably about 20 years old. At the time, I was, uh, I had an apartment, and I was living with a stripper from Minneapolis, as you do when you're rock and roll, and, um, yeah, we just had a bunch of fights, and one of them ended up with her smashing my guitar against the wall, and so I fucking threw her out the front door, then she circles around the apartment, kicks in my window, sets my kitchen on fire, all the things you do when you're 20. So <laughs> so that's how the songwriting ended for me when I was a, a punk teenager, I guess. Yet to discover punk at the time. But, uh, yeah, so I, I wrote some shit when I was at that age. But really, I started songwriting about the age of 25. Now, what happened was is I had the quarter-life 25-year-old crisis. They call it a quarter-life crisis when you're 25, then when you're 35, you have the midlife crisis. Let's do the math. Quarter life, 25, you're going to live to 100. Midlife, 35, you're going to live to 70. Big fucking drop off. Life is hard. Try to take care of your health because people, uh, uh, it's tough. Okay, so I here's how I wrote my first song. I took a girl on a date. To the Manchester Arena, I think. I don't remember what it's called. It's the big stadium up in Manchester, England. And and we went AWOL 
from the uh, Air Force to go there. That's I don't remember the exact details. I just remember knocking on her, uh, like her dormitory door, and I was like, uh, "I know we said we're going to leave at three, but we got to leave at two thirty because uh, if we if we leave at three, we're going to get caught being." absent without leave i don't remember the details but i remember she just was like oh good idea and so we left early <clears throat> and so we drove up to manchester and i was like a fu- uh, fuck by the time we got up there it was like dark and uh, uh we went to the manchester arena we saw bon iver which is i can't even describe how fucking much i don't understand that music and i understand some pretty weird music i'm a I'm a Frank Zappa go- d- dude, guy dude. I said good because I was saying both words at once. You know, I understand some pretty complicated shit at times, but I did I did not fucking understand that music at all. And I tried listening to it later. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things. Maybe it'll hit me in a couple of years. I'll, I'll be in a place emotionally where the music will make sense to me. But then and even now, I don't get it. Anyway, this, uh, this evening went so terribly for me that at the... Uh, at the end of the show, she turns to me and she's, we're still sitting in the fucking arena and she turns and says, Hey, listen, I'm a, I got, I know, I know some guys that are here. I'm going to go hang out with them. Cool. <laughs> and I just went, what could, what could I do? So I was just like, okay, all right, cool. See ya. And I just, I just sad clown walked out of that arena feeling like the biggest fool ever. I'm just walking through these cement corridors with happy, smiling people, because they went and saw one of their bands, <laughs> and I'm just so, I'm in misery, so I leave the arena, and uh, I just walk around, like, the middle of Manchester for about, like, a half an hour, and it's it's cold, and it's dark, and it's fucking England, so it's raining, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm Charlie Chaplin, and a, you know, I'm just, I'm a sad clown walking through a town getting rained on with a black cloud over my head because everything went wrong in my life, you know, and that's kind of what I was processing at the time as I'm walking around all these fucking cobblestone streets and 700-year-old churches and whatever they got up there, you know, I'm just, I was thinking to myself, like, what, what went wrong here? Like, not just this night, but what went wrong with my entire romantic life as it were like why is everything not worked out and uh i think it's a well uh, i know the answer now the the answer now is age the answer now is that young people mistreat each other and we're very terrible you know it's, it's part of the reason i hate listening to like psychologists when they're just like we did a study of 700 college students on their preferences for marriage and turns out two-thirds of them don't want to get married yeah because they're they're fucking 21 of course they don't want to wait till one of their hips breaks and they're 35 and fat that's when they want to get married that's when everybody wants to get married you're just tired of it when you're 21 you just you just want to you just want to drink and fucking you you know it's just it's an awful time I I don't know. So I'm just being young. It's like everything is going to go wrong and it just does, but it, it doesn't always go wrong. It's just, it's just part of that age. So if you are young and your love life's going wrong, don't be afraid. Just have a quarter life crisis and pick up the guitar and start writing fucking songs, which is what I did. So anyway, back to Manchester, I go back to the arena. I get my car, I drive 
and I'm just feeling all sorts of sad, but I'm driving away, and I'm driving the fucking three hours back to uh, Suffolk County, and on the drive, I don't, I'm not listening to music, I got nothing going on, I'm just, I'm just sitting with my thoughts, I am letting my thoughts go into the realm of imagination, which is something that I don't know if people do, but as an art person, that's how we work. We just sit quietly and let the brain think for us. Uh, and so anyway, I'm driving back on these highways. I'm, I'm on the M957 D455, whatever the highway's called over there in that fucking country. And, these, and the words just form in my head. Like polystyrene walking down the road, uh, these these words form in my head, and it, it was uh, it was something I had tried writing for like, years over and over. I would, I would try to write this thing about kicking rocks down the road and rock and roll, all sorts. It's just you know, just weird lyrical things, and I could never figure it out. And then they just they just showed up, like formed in my head. And, uh, and I, I had nowhere to like pull over or anything to write it down on, or maybe I could have, but I just, I was just content on getting home. So these words just stuck in my head for like three hours. And then as soon as I got back to my dormitory, flipped open, like, you know, a notebook or like the backside of an envelope. And I just scribbled them down on whatever was available for, as you do. And it, it just ended up being my first song. And, um, that's how songs are written that's just people don't know people don't know people don't sit around with their imaginations and then fucking go write songs people love music but most people that love music don't make music and most people that make music don't write a lot of music sometimes they just play sometimes they're just djs they're just it's just shit you know songwriting is a very fucking specific thing to specific people and so you know, if you, when you hear polystyrene say, I was just walking down the road when I wrote a song. Yeah, that's why it's funny to me, because I get it. I'm there. I'm that person. You know, I can relate. I can sympathize. So, that's how I wrote my first song. Uh, and then I spent about a year, and I ended up moving into this little British apartment in Barrie, St. Edmunds. 8182 Whiting Street, flat one, and I sat and I wrote my an, al an album for like uh, a really shitty one too. I wrote a shit album, not a good one. Your first album's not gonna be good, kids. I don't know. Whenever I don't know. For me, it wasn't at that age because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to produce. Uh, I was basically I was playing my guitar into my computer's internal eternal internal speaker eternal speaker because <laughs> I'm the Undertaker rest yeah. and then uh for the for the lyrics what i did is i bought a microphone and a really shitty cable and the cable was so like crackly like anytime you moved the cable a second it was just crackle so uh the way to remedy that obviously is to buy a microphone stand set it up delicately and don't touch a thing but i was too cheap to do that at the time so what i did instead is i went and bought or i didn't buy anything i mean i <laughs> as i went and i put it the microphone on a coffee table and then the coffee table's like three feet on the ground and then to to record myself singing because I had no respect for the art of singing at the time. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know about the diaphragm or any of that. I sat on the floor of the apartment, the flat, and I sang into this microphone without touching anything. That's what I did for 12 songs. I didn't, 
I, <laughs> just the worst way to record vocals ever. I mean, I'm literally crouched over, hunched, hunched forward, like the Notre Dame back, and I'm singing into a microphone while I'm sitting on the floor. How good of a voice could I have had? But I didn't really have a good voice anyway, so I don't know if it mattered. But I had the gusto. I was all for it at that time. So, and that's that's a DIY ethic of uh, you know the, the the punk world, which I eventually got into right around the same time. And so that's why I was inspired to write uh, music like that. And it's been a, it's been a musical week for me. I've been, I've been recording a couple of things. I'm working on the song "I Am the Highway." Now, I sat around watching the NFL playoffs yesterday at my parents' house and just strum. It's a really easy song, so I just strummed through and I picked it up and you know, twenty minutes, played through it a couple of times, sang it when my parents were around, so they they've heard it now, and. They're usually my first audience, as it is. Um, here's the thing. That song uh, showed up when I was in high school, that Audio Slave album, and I didn't listen to it, and I didn't like it at the time. It's Now it's a thing for me. Now I, the song has hit me in all the emotions. But at that age, I didn't like it, because I was such a Rage Against the Machine fan that when Rage Against the Machine broke up, and then they, it was basically Audio Slave was the Rage band with Chris Cornell. Like I looked at Chris Cornell like he was a homewrecker. I was like, this grunge guy is going to sing sad songs about his feelings? What? That's not communist and rock and roll or whatever the fuck, you know? <laughs> Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> I, was, I wanted to hear more about the, the oil wars in the Middle East in my music, you know? I wasn't ready for feeling feelings at that age. And so I never even got into the music. I mean, I'm really just, I've heard all the songs a thousand times. Um, but uh, what happened was, is that, well, my mom became a Rage Against the Machine fan this week. <laughs> I'm hanging out at my parents' house, watching the dogs. Uh, mom shows up. And she gets in the door and she's like, Adam, what's that song? Pocket full of shells, pocket full of shells. Do you, Rage Against the Machine, right? Do you, do you have that album, that CD? And I'm like, yes, mother, I have all those albums. Uh, I've, I've heard, I just, I've had every, I have bootlegs from Napster still. That's how much I liked that band. That, you know, at one point in my life. And she was like, oh, that's, well, it's a great song. I want to hear it. Do they have any other good songs? Yes, mother. Every single song they ever wrote was good. It was, it's a, it's a freak thing, but it was it was a band that just produced countless good songs. Never never a flat one. Never a flat song. It's it's very rare thing, you know. So now my mother is into fucking rage rock. <laughs> Welcome to 1996. I know it took you 25 or so years or whatever it's been. I'm not doing all that math. The year is 2021. Somebody else figure that out. Uh, 2022. <laughs> Sorry, it's still January. I can't do math. I can't do anything in January. I'm like Aaron Rodgers like that. I can play all year long until January. And then I just sit on the ball. That fucking guy. Oh, my God. You know what? Fuck it. Because we lost to the 49ers, but then the 49ers lost yesterday, too. And so I'm, I'm fucking happy about that. I'm fine. Like, fine. It's good. As long as the team that beat us got beat, I'm, I'm happy. You know, it's, I don't even wait to watch the end of that game. I mean, fucking uh, the L.A. Rams came back and, and scored the go-ahead touchdown with like three minutes left. And then I was like, well, it's over. And I went and took my dog for a walk. I don't even watch the end of that game because I know Jimmy G is such a shit quarterback. Like, he's just going to fuck up. He's just, he's just, oh, hi, honey. I see you peeking through the door. Hello. 
got one of my dogs here. Uh, but he was a shitty quarterback, so I'm like, I'm not watching this fucking game. I'll just come back and see the replay of him throwing an interception, which is what happened. Still can't believe fucking Green Bay lost in 49ers, but... Eh, that's football. You get disappointed. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. It's been a fucking... Uh, uh, it's been an entertaining week for me. I've been I've been recording a couple of songs, and I'm gonna, I think I'm going to record some more. I've just I got an album I think that's pouring out of me. I've got a couple of other songs I'm going to write. I'm going to try to do a uh, No Time to Cry from the Sisters of Mercy, uh, I Am the Highway by Audio Slave, uh, and then I'm oh it's going to take me some balls, but I am really going to try to do the real thing. That's that's I can do all the music, but it's the it's the singing that one. Try to sing in, try to sing Mike Patton stuff. That is intense. That is a lot of effort. But I think I can do it, or at least at this point in my life, because I finally figured out singing. Really, within the last year, I really worked on it. I really started opening up the vocals and doing all that. And then, some, for some reason, I finally got into Guns and Roses last summer, and I, I'm feeling that like the little Axl Rose in me, that little pissed off redhead, you know. <laughs> And I am. <laughs> I don't know. So, I can't. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing that that's such a good rock band that I just never paid attention to, forever. But probably because I listened to the music press when I was I was young. You know, I was listening to the interviewers. I were like, everybody knows Axl Rose is a dickhead. Don't listen to that music. And so I listened to him because I'm a fucking moron. You know, and at some point. Well, the journalism shit fades, and all that's left standing is is the music, and that's that's what carries on. And it turns out that's a great fucking bunch of albums. So, I don't know. Well, life update. I just sent over some uh, voiceover demos to some Jews, and I'm very happy that the Jews came and contacted me. Now, I'm only assuming they're Jewish because A, it's the entertainment industry, and B, the last name, you know. That's kind of what you hope for if you're in enter entertainment. You're hoping somebody with the last name of, like, Cohen or Goldberg shows up knocking at your door with some smiles, you know. Those aren't the names that came after me. I'm not giving that information up. But, yeah, and I got an email. I sent out a bunch of uh, voiceover demos uh, f last fuck, f October, maybe. Um, and I didn't hear nothing back until recently. And then all of a sudden they were just like, Hey, we like what you, uh, you got. So, uh, send us some more stuff. And so I recorded some more demos and yeah. So I don't know, maybe that'll work out. <laughs> that's, that's been the goal for the last six months. Uh, I'm not trying to work a job anymore. I can't, I just, I can't let a, a real job filter into my life. I've noticed that is about, um, and I think, I think Zappa said it in one of his, uh, one of his movies, I've seen one of the documentaries on Frank Zappa, he said something like, uh, yeah, if you are a musician and you're a songwriter, uh, but you also have to do something else for money, all that shit that you have to do for money will filter into the music somehow for good or bad. And it's always bad. It's always bad. Every fucking song I've written has always had, like, yeah, just some kind of angst from some kind of shit job I had to work attached to it. And I feel that. I can listen back and hear it now. So, you know, I'm trying to uh, trying to get some kind of like low key job like voiceover. Where I can just sit around and just fucking you know hawk Cheeto products on fucking uh, buy new Cheetos. 
I can do that. I can do that. That's fun. That's it's 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 enjoyable. It's right up my alley. It's what I'm into. It's what I do. <laughs> and so I, I hope it works out. I don't know. I got to get back at the freelance websites, uh, but I'm I'm on hiatus with all that. I figured I would just I'm just going to sit around and enjoy the playoffs, and I'm going to record some music, and then I'll get back to, to hustling. You know, but I'm not hustle life. I'm not a ball about that. I'm just, I fuck, I'm, I'm hustle for a uh, seasonal. I'm a seasonal hustler. I'll give you nine months. And then I, at some point I, I got a, I taken a career ending, a fucking season ending knee injury of some kind. And I just sit out for three months. That's how I work. I can't punch in a fucking clock at nine to five. That's not me. It's not the person I am, you know? So glad the Jews came calling. <laughs> I got to quit saying that because people will get upset with me, uh, <laughs> which is what I mean. People normally do anyway, but uh, you know, I don't mean to. Sh- I don't mean shit by it. I'm just having fun. I'm just I'm just being goofy and silly. Like I didn't grow up with any Jews, so I don't like I don't have any animosity or any kind. I don't even understand that. It doesn't make sense to me because every Jew I've met has been a nice person. I don't even like referring to them as the Jew. I just, I'm just saying that for the, this conversation because I'm an idiot, you know, but I mean, everyone I've met has been just nice. Like I got my, my friend Alex in Minneapolis, you know, one of, one of the only comics I've ever met who's not a a fucking, just a a moron self-absorbed who can actually like talk and listen to people. And I was like, Oh good. He's a good person. I can chat. And we've been friends for years because of it. He's a funny dude. I remember the time I met him. We were sitting around carving pumpkins at an open mic on Halloween, on this like midnight open mic we used to go to. And I just turned to him and I said, So, how's your career going? <laughs> and then we just started chatting. And I'm like, well, This is a friendly person. I can, I, you know, why is everybody in, why are most people in entertainment complete fucking dickheads? Is my question. Because the, the rare occurrence you have to meet somebody who's like nice and friendly and polite. It, like, it rocks your world. It's just, it's un- unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm getting, I'm getting into high voice now. I'm getting into the high range. And so, you know, I went to, uh, uh, when I was in college and I was studying comedy, I went to uh, LA and I studied with Steve Kaplan and he was the nicest person I've, I've ever fucking met. You know, and then last year I posted some shit online about the, like, this fuck this mask mandate coronavirus shit. I was all, I was all anti-mask. And then Steve comments on my page and he's just like, yeah, hey man, no, I, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, I mean, we didn't exactly agree on everything. But it, one of the things he wrote in the text was like, listen, man, I, I, I look at you like the son I never had. Which to me is like Beatlemania. Like, why, why do people, wow, what, I, wow, my fans are crazy. Why do people say this shit? Like, I don't know if that was like something seriously in his heart or if that was just a way that he, like Jewish people talk to each other persuasively. Like, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I, I am from, I'm, I'm from the cracker world. I'm from the working class where we just, we all are just fucking rough with each other because we, we use impersonal pronouns like, hey, dumbass. Quit fucking around in the forklift or you're going to get somebody hurt, stupid, you know? Like, that's how people have talked to me. <laughs> so, so, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm finally meeting the Jews and I'm finally living the life I want to. And they're fucking very, they're nicer people. They're nicer than me. They're honestly. So, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand all the animosity in the world. I really don't. But then again, I came from a cracker world, you know? I mean, I, I went to an interracial high school, but it was just like... 
half white, half Native American. You know, and and the racism was almost not there. It really wasn't. I'm not even lying about that. It was just we just kind of we're all just hung out. My first friend I ever made was a. I remember it was like the first week of kindergarten. I walked into school, and this native kid, Carlos, was wearing an X-Man t-shirt with Wolverine on it. And I was like, I got to be friends with that dude. He likes Wolverine. I watch that show Saturday mornings. That's my boy. You know, I was five years old. I was fucking over it. I was over it. It was a fucking weird world we're living. I don't know. Maybe it's you grow up in the city. Maybe that's where it's worse. But I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I don't have any expertise. I just sit around and I play my guitar. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I got an hour of shit to say this time. But, I mean, because I've been, I've been plowing hour, plowing through hour podcasts here. But, now most of my energy has not been on uh, trying to communicate any kind of thing comedically or like a radio person like I've been doing it I've been so into my music here the last few weeks I don't know it's like it's like twice a year I quit music I just rage quit music it just I I don't know it always happens where I just one day I'm just like that's it I'm done forever I'm I'm fucking I've quit music 40 hundred times but I always come back to it because I think it's the only thing that uh, really does make me happy it's the only thing I can really kind of like tune into like you know, I can just get into that, like, hypnotic state or whatever, where, like, six hours of his writing goes by, and it's just, like, a second, because it's just, it's a joy the whole time. And it is hard work, and there's been a lot, I've, I mean, I, part of the, part of the uh, art of being a guitarist is that you just face your limitations every single time you pick up the guitar. It's an instrument that teaches you how you're limited, and uh, it's not for the weak at heart. Um, so everything I've ever learned is, uh, has been... It's been at great effort, and um, you know, uh, if you can, if you can get through the struggles of it, and then eventually you get to a point where it's it's so automatic you're not even thinking about it and you're just enjoying yourself playing songs. That's really what it's about, people. That's what it's all about. So I, I don't know. I can impart that message to you, eh, you know. But I'm sure there are people that have said it in much better tones than I have. You know, people that actually make music money at music you know i don't like i never i never thought i could make money at it and that's kind of why it's always been in this weird realm of like very intense hobby but still hobby because when i was young uh that's when the technology showed up and like napster and limewire showed up and people were downloading music and then the record companies were suing fucking poor people you know, like just, oh, just some, just some woman in Bemidji, Minnesota gets hit with a $35 million fine for downloading a fucking NXS album. What bullshit. What bullshit that is. You know what I mean? And it just, it pissed me off this, to the point where I, I think I said fuck it to the whole, like, the idea of any kind of industry of just, trying to get in with music people and record companies or anything. But, the, I mean, the, the platforms have all changed. Now you can be an independent artist. Go with the whole 500 true fans theory or whatever, and just you can self sustain doing that. So, I'm, my thinking has to change. You know, I gotta find some, you know, find some like minded folks. I don't know, I, I, I just got a bunch of emails from uh, my friends from high school who are still trying to make it as rappers from uh, my cornfield town. 
<laughs> it's adorable what they do. I don't know. Good for them. Please keep trying. Don't listen to me doubt you. I'm not trying to doubt, but I'm just, hey, facts are facts. You live in a cornfield town, hip hopper. I mean, you're not going to convince that fucking tavern scene that you're the next coming of the notorious one. B.I.G. That's the notorious one in case anybody needed that information filled out because I didn't say it right the first time. <laughs> the notorious one. Otherwise, A.K.A. Biggie Smalls. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck around. I'm just, I'm just being stupid. <laughs> but, well, God bless them. God bless my friends that are working at it. Because, I mean, that's it. They're into they're uh, hip-hop people, so that's what they're into. It's music that doesn't speak to me. It's I, I never... I never got into that whole thing, uh, wiggerish thing. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> the fucking. Oh, I'm a fucking. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a hip hop dude now. I fuck, I'm from fucking. Uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I'm pure hip hop. Are you really? Are you? Are you? Okay. I don't know. I mean, but I'm. A, you know, if that's your gimmick, if that's what's in your soul, believe it, take it, but make music with it. Don't work at fucking Wendy's and fucking yell at me in a language i don't understand through the window like yo you want fries yo do what like i i don't understand that i don't understand fans at all i don't understand fans of music <laughs> i am one but I'm, as a songwriter i'm a, a distant cousin of them i don't i don't understand what goes through their minds sometimes you know but if hip-hop's your gimmick work with it do it but i don't know how much i can help you i don't know I mean, people are just writing me for moral support i think and i can offer that but I don't have any expertise in the world of beats. I don't. I I had I have a rock gimmick. I, that's the gimmick I work. You know. And I don't mean I don't mean gimmick in any kind of like obscene way. I don't mean to be a dick about it. I'm not saying like oh, it's, I'm not a smart mark. I'm not trying to say gimmicks are bullshit. I'm saying they're necessary. That's how you define yourself as an artist through your character work. You know what I mean? That's the that's the thing. Nobody remembers the the lines of the of the law of the lyrics they don't remember the 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 punchlines of the jokes they remember the characters i mean look at uh movies the greatest lines in movies of all time are like i'll be back arnold schwarzenegger said i'll be back the most benign line in the fucking world but through that character filtered through it it becomes this massive thing that's gimmicks and you got to understand that to be uh, a success in any kind of uh, artistic endeavor. By the way, I don't know if wigger is a, a fucking obscene, offensive word either. I just say it coming from my my cracker world where we just, that's what we say to fucking <laughs> those frauds, those fucking dudes. They're, I mean, God bless them, they believe in their fucking gimmick, but... Ah, Jesus Christ. Why am, I, why am I so full of angst and anger here? I don't know. I shouldn't. I guess it's just because I went to high school with so many of those dudes, and they were just, they always fucking upset me. And they just, I was just, see, I saw them as frauds. I saw them as frauds. It's fucking, I don't know. I mean, just not saying I'm not a fraud, but I'm just, just trying to be real to me in some way. By saying a uh, fucking bunch of dumb shit on this podcast. So, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> all right, if you happen to be a 19-year-old dumb college child, I'm sure I've offended you with my language. Uh, but the longer I go through life, the less I give a shit about that age group 
and what they're offended by. <laughs> so I understand. Hey, listen, I understand you uh, youthful people. I am one. I was one. I understand. <laughs> you want to change the world and make it fit to your fucking cool. That's cool. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to look at me like I'm some old fucking man that, that is, is out of touch. I ain't even going to fucking, uh, I disagree all the time. So Christ. All right. I don't, I'm getting into some weird place here and I don't really like it. I uh, just, this is probably why I should stick to music. I should really just shut the fuck. You know, I'm not trying to self-censor myself for any fucking body's sake. I'm just saying, I don't think I'm a, I don't think I got the key insight into the world that everybody needs to hear. You know, I mean, sometimes my imagination takes me to some, some kind of places where I, I, I say some pretty powerful things, or I think things that have meaning and are a little bit, uh, off center, but needed to be heard. But other times I'm just still fucking still holding on to the rage for too long. And I'm just too, it's, I say that cause I, I was in my apartment, uh, the other day and I was, we we have this room in the, uh, the building where you can go get like, it's like a lounge room, but they got a coffee machine. So I went in there to get a, get a coffee and there was a, a, a new, what are they, like a janitor, what a caretaker, fuck whatever they're called. And he was a dude and he was a couple years younger than me. And I just, I, for a second, I waved at him and said, hi, and just walked by and just the look in his eyes. I sh- you, you can't judge somebody off a look, but I just saw the look in his eyes. I was like, that's a young dude that still is holding on to the rage. And that's a problem with young dudes. It really is. You got to learn how to relax and to finally let go and to enjoy the world. Uh, it comes with time. It comes with time. And I think, I, I don't know if I'm fully there, but I'm approaching that there-ness. The- <laughs> I don't know what that means either, you know, but I, I mean, I just look at myself where I was if just even a few years ago and, uh, I, I, I try to judge myself through the prism of now and, uh, I, I don't know. I'm feeling a lot better. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm feeling like happy through the, through the days all the time to the point where it's uncomfortable and I don't, I don't know how to uh, judge it correctly. In a few years, I can look back and maybe judge where I'm at, but I don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking happy. I'm just. <laughs> I don't know how to. I don't know how to process it. I don't know. What, I don't know how to, how to deal with these feelings of being happy all the time, and where the smiles and the laughter and the jokes aren't all game. But this is just reality. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> It's, it's, it, it took me a long time to get over my funks. And I'm happy to be here, finally. If that's what it is. You know, sometimes th- things take time, but as long as you get there, it's all worth it. And Alright, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go practice my songs because I'm fucking burning out here. <sighs> it's better to burn out than to fade away, dude. Don't you know you need the young lyrics, dude? Yes, I played the song. I know the lyrics. <laughs> but I don't live my life completely through every lyric I ever sing. I, nor do I live my existence through every passage of word I've ever said. And the, That's the issue with the internet, and I think it's got everybody paranoid these days because we've all been saying stupid things forever, and it's just like, you know, at some point, if you, if you, ever, if you ever get some... 
get some success in your life. There's going to be some blogger dickhead who's going to dig up something like, look at nine years ago, this guy said something not cool. <laughs> it's like, yes, congratulations on figuring out that I was more of an incomplete person nine years ago than I was now. What a giant insight you have that people sometimes grow with time and fucking idiots. So, I don't know. I don't have any issue with that. I don't... I've never have, though. I mean, I've been told my whole life to be worried about, look, don't watch what you say on the internet. It's there forever. It's the, the internet. Is, you can't erase the internet. It's like, whose advice does that for? We're all saying shit on the internet to fuck nine people are maybe reading it. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody. You know how many stupid fucking, uh, Literally, the worst uh, opinions ever, politically, whatever, socially, whatever, I have read in my life. I just forget them, and I just go on with my life. There are so many people trying to be a talking head these days, and there are nine of them that we listen to. We're all listening to Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow, and everybody else is just a fuck, a mark in the fucking, trying to be a talking head. And no, you work at the gas station. You're not a fucking genius. So I don't worry about what the guy at the gas station says about politics or anything or has ever said. It's not some people just need to express things. And and if they don't take off, they need to learn how to deal with the rejection. That's part of the existence. I don't need to look at what somebody said nine years ago. That was some fucking horrible, incomplete part of themselves. And that's how I judge them. That's how they're, that's the wrong way to judge somebody. You, I, I, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I'm putting all that out there because I'm just letting the world know. I don't, A, I don't give a fuck. Anything I ever said, if it was stupid, I'll admit to it. And and B, I, I, it's, 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 there's more than enough out there. There's two years worth of these shit fuck podcasts where I sit here and daydream about a world in comedy, which I'll probably never get to. The reason I think I'm here is because it's a... Doug Stanhope is so good at comedy. He's, I've, I've been daydreaming that I'm a comedian for years because I wanted to be that person. That's the truth of it. Do I write jokes? Yeah. Have I gotten laughs doing things? Yes. I've done stand up. I've done improv. I've gone through all sorts of training. I've, I've, I've flown to LA to study comedy. Do I, but do I, am I an open mic? guy do i go down to the bar every night and try to be a comedian no so it's if anything i'm, I'm just filtering humor through uh the other arts i do like radio here <laughs> and maybe a little in music but i've never liked music comedy never liked it i like music first that has comedy on top say peter Steele, frank zappa they've all done that to various effects that I thought were good. But music's that that's comedy first with music attached, like Adam Sandler. Garbage. <laughs> and I love Adam. I love his movies. Everybody in my age does. But, you know, when he sits there on Saturday Night Live singing the, the fuck, uh, not the, the dreidel song or whatever, or just anything where he's just strumming guitars. <laughs> he's like, like Frank Caliendo had that joke where he was just like, Adam Sandler can say, the silliest things, me and you live in a shoe, you know, and it's like, here's $10 million, whatever that joke was, that's true, I mean, it's just like, I've never found, I never understood why people bought those albums, what, what, what something, I just missed it, something in that 
in in that part of pop culture that didn't resonate with me. I don't know. It seemed like everybody else my age was phenomenally into the Adam Sandler world, but I just, I, 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 I'm a snob when it comes to my guitars. I'm like, I need some feelings and emotions coming through the music and then throw some humor on top, but don't, don't do, I fucking singing comedians. I can't, I just can't deal with, I listened to a little Rodney Carrington once and it was okay, but (sighs) well, I'm at 40 minutes. 40 minutes now. Can I do an hour? No, and I still don't want to, so I'm going to end this. Not my life, the podcast. <laughs> Every time I say that line, I have to say that joke, and I don't... <laughs> I said it once, it made me laugh, and now I say it every time. So, it's... Alright, my dogs are smashing their tails against the door, which happened to me once when I was talking to Johnny Rotten on Skype. I had the opportunity once, and then my dog started smacking the door with her tails, and then Johnny couldn't see it, so he was like, hey, what's all that racket? And I was like, oh, that's just the dog's tails. And then Grandpa Lydon goes, oh, the dog's tails. So that's that was a cool moment in my life. All right, I'm done. Bye. Uh, wait, I'm not done. Hold on. I got one more thing to talk about. Hello, dogs. Hi. Hello, my friends. I, well, this last week, I recorded a Lena Lovitch song. I wanted to talk about that for a minute. and Because uh, I saw Lena Lovitch in London about uh, eight, nine years ago. My friend Rashawn was a fan, and he invited me out to the show. And I had never heard of Lena Lovitch. We were at work, and he's like, I'm going to Lena Lovitch for Halloween. You want to go? And I'm like, who is that? And then he, we watched, the, I think, the Bird Song video. And I was like, immediately, I'm like, yep, that's me. That's the music I'm into. I, that's, I like weird. I like weird. So we went and saw, you know, this wasn't Lena Lovitch from 81 we were watching. This was Lena Lovitch 2013, a lot older. But she could still put on a show. And uh, we were at a place called Cog, the Club Underworld, or the Underworld, uh, in the middle of London. Halloween. So I was dressed up kind of like a droogie. I was dressed up as a, uh, you know, like Clockwork Orange a little bit. Not completely, but just, you know, bowler hat, eye black paint. And uh, Rashawn was dressed up like Michael Jackson. <laughs> so, you know, that was a neat little thing. It was a neat thing to do, you know. Being to be in London, you know, dressed up for Halloween with, you know, and the streets were just flooded with drunken ass 20 year olds. And I'm right in that age range at the time, but I don't know if I was drinking then. Uh, so we go, oh, so we go to the underground and we see the love it show and odd thing happened. Now I ended up taking a little bit of video of that show with, uh, this was back then they still had like the handheld like cameras that you had like SD discs and then you would put them into the computer. Now everything's on the phone, but back then they were still the handheld cameras. And uh, I took a little bit of that video, even though the guitarist in the band said, please don't take video, Lena doesn't like it. But I had to sneak in like 30 seconds of I Think We're Alone Now, because it was it's a decent fucking song. And, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to, make, I wanted to put that in my little memory thing. And I, the video is still on YouTube. I have a, a video called uh, Halloween in the UK. And that's on there. Uh, but another odd thing happened at that show. 
the guitarist had said, please don't take video or whatever. Now, I took my video kind of standing off to the side in the back. It's 30 seconds, and there was no light on the camera, just one little tiny red light. And, you know, I wasn't really being outrageous about it. But there was a, a dude standing right by the stage. Now, this stage at the Underworld, it's a, a, a corner triangle stage, in the you know, and it's like three feet off the ground. So you're in someone's living room, really, when you're watching this a show there. You know, very tiny, very intimate place. And um, um, so anyway, Lane is playing the show, and then there's the dude standing right in her face, like a foot away from her, and he, he's got he opens up his flip phone and starts taking a video, and his light is on it, and even just looking at it from like this side, from my peripherals, the light on that camera was outrageous. It was a fuck a, a police fucking spotlight. I mean, it was just blinding. And I'm like, I'm just looking at this dude in disbelief. Like, what? What is going through your brain right now? I know I'm a stupid asshole over here taking video, but I was a, a little cool about it. You know, I didn't. I didn't stand in front of the stage slamming somebody with a light in their fucking eyes. Dickhead, why stop being a ass fuck douche? You know, but those thoughts are going through my head. But what am I going to do? So anyway, love it. This old old lady, she's like, I mean, seventies, and she and she's on stage. She's still doing it, you know. But she she sees this obviously, and then it just annoys her so much. And like I said, the the guitarist had already said, please don't take videos. So that's acknowledged in the room. And this dude is taking a video, and, and he's smiling, and he's got a beer in his hand, and he's just being a complete ass. And so, God bless her, this fucking seven-year-old woman. She goes up and she slaps this camera out of his hand, and the in the or, you know the phone and the flip phone goes tumbling onto the stage like do 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 like behind her, <laughs> like she swatted at it like a kitten, and and so this dude on instinct because he's so protective of his phone and all the porn he's been watching on it or whatever he immediately jumps onto the stage, grabs his phone, and then stands up and now he's like face to face with Lena and he's like a foot taller than her. And he's just like staring at her with all this weird anger in his eyes. And she's, she's just looking up at him in this weird, like rock and roll moment. Like this, this, this wasn't expected. And, you know, it all happened so fast. And then a security guard came and shoved this guy through this, like the side door, like the artist entrance, like almost like a vaudeville, like uh, with the hook, you know, like, Oh, get off the stage. Wah, 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 wah. You know? And this dude, he's yelling as he's being shoved out the back door. Like, Hey, she was, she was my felon. And the whole crowd is jeering at this piece of shit guy. We're like, fuck you. At least I was, you know, I don't, most of the people that were very old, they didn't have a whole lot of energy, but I was in my 20s, so I was yelling things loudly in obscene tones of, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and then at one point, I'm like, thanks for coming, asshole, you know? And <laughs> it's this odd little moment. Uh, and then the show just went on as planned. Um, but, you know, yeah. afterwards, Rashawn and I, we were both like, uh, if that dude would have touched her, we would have went on stage and killed him. We would have punched this guy until our hands were covered in blood because we were in the 20s. We're military guys. And 
you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not you're not gonna fuck with the girl that wrote bird song no it ain't ha- not grandma lena you ain't fucking with her not in front of us we're we were going to be unpaid security guards slash assault perpetrators <laughs> like i mean that was a fucking freaky moment you know what i mean but <laughs> that's the world of uh, live music so anyway, I wanted to add that story because I forgot it was part of the things I wanted to say probably before I started complaining about wiggers, but I forgot to. So now I've added it into the program and now I'm done. Have yourself a happy little Christmas or whatever time of year. it is. Well, it's January, but you know, Christmas is on the way 11 months, but it'll get here. See you then.